But today, we bring a young man to this pulpit today who's going to deliver the word of the Lord. He has got a lot of heritage in him, but it's not something in the past for him. It's something very present and something about the future that he is excited about. And we are thankful for the consecration and the life of this very special young man, Brother Ethan Elms. I want you to put your hands together and receive him as he comes to bring the word of the Lord today. We love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Love you, man. God bless you. Why don't you give a hand clap of praise to the Lord right now? He's worthy. He's worthy of it. Only he was found worthy to loose the seals thereof. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude to be in this place today. I love the Urshan family very much. I love Tree of Life. I've sang here a few times. Um, I'm sorry to everybody that was expecting Brother Urshan to preach. And you're like, oh, we got this guy. But uh, I'm so uh, blessed to be behind this sacred desk today. I want to say thank you to my parents that are, are watching a little bit. Uh, they're still in church right now. But in a little bit they will be. I'm so thankful for all of you for showing up this Sunday, braving the cold. This Florida boy was not ready. I have just an Amazon jacket made out of canvas I bought for like 25 bucks. And I was like, that's going to be good. You know, you can layer up. You can always take a layer off is what they always say. Um, but I wasn't prepared. Yesterday I was driving back from the church and I saw that it was, um, I believe it was eight degrees. And I thought, where are the other numbers? I, I'm not used to this. It's, it's in the 80s back home right now. So I know, I know. You know, anyway. But, brother and sister Enos, they got me gloves. And uh, so I got new gloves. And, you know, Jesus said, if a man sues you for his coat, give your own as well. And brother Urshan happened to have an extra coat for me. <laughs> so we have a pastor that will quite literally give you the coat off his back. Aren't you thankful for him? Put your hands together if you love the first family of this church. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're faithful. Well, I know you've been standing for a while, so let's get into the reading of the word. If you'll open your Bibles or uh, point your eyes towards the screen, we're going to be reading from Mark, the second chapter, <clears throat> verses 1 through 12. It begins like this, and it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. The he that they're speaking of, of course, is Jesus. And straightway, which is one of Mark's favorite words, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning within their hearts, Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things within your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, Take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. For the next few moments, I'm going to speak to you on the subject, He saw me. Now, if you could put down your Bibles, if you could raise your hands. If you could help me pray over the preaching of the word today, Lord, I ask that you would move in this house today. We have felt your spirit 
brush into this place from the very first song, God. I'm asking, Lord, that this word you've given me, you would allow me to speak with concision of speech, Lord, with clarity of thought, and let me speak with largeness of heart, Jesus. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. For it is only your spirit that can change the heart and hearts of stone. It, it is only your spirit that can go into soil that's not good and make it good once more. And only your spirit, God, can wake up those in slumber, Lord Jesus. It's by your word, by your word, Jesus, that we are saved. Thank you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. On a balcony of space Stepped a pure and holy God And in awesome solitude He stood alone not one faint star to give him light just endless rolling blackest night but somehow through all that darkness he could see he saw mountains high high and lofty and he saw valleys lush and green He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers grow He even heard a robin sing But he felt a strange compassion As close to love as pain can be Standing out there in his tomorrows, he saw me. He saw me in his likeness, and he saw me. I was just like him. He saw me pure, clean, and holy. He saw me spotless, white within. But he saw me bound in heavy chains and longed to set me free. But he knew if I became like him, he must become like me. Jesus paid it all, all to testimony today it was too high of a cost for me to pay it was too strong of a load for me to bear 
My sin had made me dirty, but he washed me white as snow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We don't know if the man was paralyzed from his birth or if it happened as he was an adult, but I'm not sure which one is worse. If it happened at birth, you can imagine how difficult his childhood must have been. He didn't play sports with his friends in the neighborhood, and he never played games with the other kids. Maybe he was really good at red light, green light for the first 30 seconds. Or maybe he was partially really good at freeze tag. But he never played any of the games with the kids. I wonder if he was embarrassed, if he can remember that far back when all the other kids were old enough to feed themselves, but he was still being fed by his parents. Or whether, I I wonder whether he wished he could draw the pictures he saw when he closed his eyes. But if it happened when he was an adult, I can only imagine the pain of once knowing exactly what it was like to run or to feel the warmth of a hot cup of water in your hands or rub your feet together after just washing the blanket, maybe having the privilege of being able to run errands. But all of that be taken from you. I don't know how it happened or when it happened, and I do know a few things. Although his arms and legs did not work, his ears worked, and he heard there was a man in town named Jesus. He heard that the unclean spirits obey this man and that he speaks to lepers and what is unclean he makes clean. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what thus saith the Lord. He determined in himself, I must see this man they call Jesus. We just traveled to, because of the times in Alexandria, Louisiana, and what a powerful conference it was. If you can, I would encourage you to get a hold of those sermons and listen to them and let your soul be be stirred, pardon me. But I now understand in a new way the difficulty, Brother Glasgow, of traveling with children. I thought I knew because my brother and sister have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I thought I understood from the outside, but it wasn't until I had to sit next to the the toddler who was actually really good on the plane. Like, I'm very thankful. We call it, we we say, do we have the T-A-B-L-E-T? That's the book for me. But I understand that It's a little bit more challenging traveling with somebody that doesn't know or maybe can't travel very well. So you can imagine why this man, sick of the palsy, was a little late to get to the house of Jesus. The first thing he had to do is find four faithful friends. Then he had to convince them to carry him there. And I'm sure they left early enough, but the fatigue of carrying a man surely made them stop a few times along the way. By the time they've showed up, it seems they're too late because the place is completely packed. In so much, it says that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. But the unstoppable God-pleasing work of faith was stirring up. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There was a hope for a healing that was of great substance. And suddenly, the desperation, that desperate kind of faith to get to Jesus showed those men something not seen. What was a limitation to the people in the house was now an open door to those that were desperate enough to get to Jesus. It was a ceiling that held people down, but it was a door that people wanted to get to Jesus could go through. And when they lowered the man through the ceiling, they said to each other, did you bring the rope? And they were desperate enough. And Jesus had said when he saw their faith, the faith of not just the man sick of the palsy, but the men that had the strength to carry him and the men that were willing to look a little foolish to rip open the roof and let this man that is paralyzed down to Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, 
thy sins be forgiven thee. I don't have time fully to go into this, but I do want to at least mention it. God did not get the order wrong. Sometimes we forget the hierarchy of, of what God thinks is important. God would rather that you never have the ability to walk so that you never walk in sin that you may walk in newness of life. Sometimes we wonder why God allows our lives to be broken, but we forget that pain is the closest we'll ever be to Jesus on the cross. For Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And I know you might have come into this place stumbling into this sanctuary suffering, but when Jesus walks into the room, the perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and the settling comes with him. You might have suffered a little while, but now is the accepted time. When Jesus walks into this room, he brings your healing with him. He brings your peace with him. He brings the answer you've been praying for for years. To someone in this house who is sick of the palsy, I want to let you know that four men might have let you down, but one man will lift you up. And because Jesus is walking in the room right now, if you need it, you can get it. He said, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Do you have that faith here tonight? Let your faith be increased. It's okay if you have a little bit of unbelief because we can pray, God, help my unbelief. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, you don't have to leave here the same. You don't have to leave here the same. But the truth is that it was not always so easy to get to Jesus, and you heard me say that right. Because the voice of the Lord once walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, but after they fell into sin, he had no place to dwell. He still walked with men, we know this, we know he still walked with men, for Enoch was translated and he had this testimony that he walked with God. But he longed for a place to dwell. He walked with men until there was a man named Moses. And he led the greatest jailbreak that there's ever been. And God instructed him and said, I want you to build a tabernacle so that I can be with my people. And you shall build it according to all that I shall show thee. And time fails for me to go into detail of these places where God chose to visit men. But I want you to know a few things. It was made of shittim wood, also known as acacia. It was a tree that grew in the desert because they were not in the promised land, but they were in the desert. God can meet you in the desert. It was a temporary building that could be moved, and so it had four layers of curtains and skins over it to protect it from the harsh elements of the wilderness. Inside was the Holy of Holies, behind a veil that only one man could enter once a year, not for the remission of sins, but for the pushing back of sins. Just rolling them back, not remitting them. Inside of the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. There's a few special things about this Ark. Firstly, it was made of gold given willingly from the hearts of men and women in Israel. And I want you to know if the Ark of the Covenant held the glory of the Lord, then you can know that when you give to the church, the glory goes with you. The Ark was the first thing built in the tabernacle, and if you put the glory of God first, it will go with you. Both inside and outside were made of pure gold. You got to get this integrity thing right for the glory of God to go with you. It's not just something shiny on the outside and dirty on the inside. Like the Pharisees that Jesus said were like a beautiful sepulcher, but inside was dead man's bones. The ark had loops on the side of it for poles to go through to be carried on the shoulders of men 
of God because the glory of God is to go with you. God met man in this place to guide and direct them and forgive them of their sins, roll back their sins, pardon me. This tabernacle was not so beautiful to the eyes, but it pleased God. And when it was finished being built, the presence of God overshadowed it, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's how they knew the glory of the Lord was there. And when you start feeling a fire in this house, that's how you know the God of all glory has showed up. Thank you, Lord. And then there came a man named David who wanted to build God a house. So he saved up money so that his son could begin the building process. And then although Solomon's temple was all purchased on daddy's credit card, he still took it seriously. Its foundation was made of costly stone that were hewn from off-site so that there was never a rattling heard in the temple. It was 2,700 square feet and was adorned with precious stones. It was mostly made of cedar wood except for some things out of olive wood. And this cedar wood doesn't shrink or warp. It's soundproof as it absorbs noise and works even better in damp climates, making it the greatest wood to yield a building with. Every inch inside was overlaid with gold and on the walls were inscribed open flowers and palm leaves and cherubim. Inside there were beautiful sculptures of lilies, there were sculptures of bulls, there were sculptures of cherubim. It took seven years to build this temple. When it was dedicated, 22,000 oxen were sacrificed and 120,000 sheep were sacrificed, followed by a 14-day feast. That's the kind of feast that I've been doing for about 22 years. Just like with the tabernacle, fire came down when the glory of God filled this temple. It was beautiful, and up until that point, it was the greatest structure man had ever built. The queen of Sheba came and visited it and said the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he built the Lord, the half has not been told. This beautiful temple, though, was destroyed and built again, and then there was one more building made to be the greatest of them all, maybe not to bring glory unto God, but glory unto the man that built it. His name was King Herod. King Herod, Herod built this temple in 46 years. It was nearly triple the size of Solomon's temple. It was 36 acres. Some of us are wishing we could purchase 36 acres. There's no, there's no acres that big where I'm from. Uh, there's a CVS on every corner. Instead of wood, it was made from the Jerusalem limestone that was bright white and made to reflect the brilliance of the sun so that everybody could see it. But Jesus despised this temple. He often taught there, yes, but you'll never find him praying there. In fact, I need you to understand what God went through to get to you. Jesus braided a whip and drove them out of Herod's temple because he said, my house is to be called a house of prayer and you have made it a den of thieves. Kind of like the Pharisees of that day, it was beautiful on the outside but wicked on the inside. In fact, unless you were perfect, you weren't even allowed in. You had to be Jewish. You couldn't have any scars. You couldn't have any sickness. You couldn't be unclean. You couldn't have leprosy. You couldn't walk with a limp and enter into this temple. John chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. This is right after Jesus has just kicked them out of the temple by force. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us? seeing that thou doest these things. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? 
But he spake of the temple of his body. This temple built with man's hands would be destroyed on the cross. When Jesus took the sins of the whole world, the sins that I've committed, the sins that you've committed, and it would be rebuilt in three days after a brief moment in time for Jesus to take the keys from death and from hell. What we have to understand is God saw all of these things and was not satisfied. He knew there was one temple for which he desired to dwell. And he knew, like that song, if I was to become like him, he had to become like me first. And there's a song that says, down from his glory, ever-living story, my God, my Savior came and Jesus was his name, born in a manger unto his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great creator became my savior in all God's fullness dwelleth in him. For being like unto God, it, he did not think it was robbery to be like God. But he made himself of no reputation. Hebrews say he did not take on the form of angels, but took on the seed of Abraham. And so he became like us, so we could become like him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. If you have never received the Holy Ghost today, the evidence is speaking in a language you've never spoken before. We call it tongues, the Bible calls it tongues, but it's a heavenly language. If you've never had that happen to you today, today is your day. Now is the accepted time. You don't have to leave without your body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. For once you have the Holy Ghost, everything else changes. And suddenly the addictions that you couldn't break on your own are broken. And suddenly the pain that you felt in the lateness of night begins to leave you as peace that passes understanding overcomes your mind. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your spirit, God. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. See, we see in the mirror our failures. And I'm not sure if I've ever felt so strongly a message to preach than I felt today and I felt last night and I felt carrying this verse, carrying this word. We look in the mirror and we see a failure of a parent because your child has wandered away from this truth and you've taken it on yourself. You thought it was your own inabilities and so you see yourself as a failure, but did you know that God sees you as a temple? You look in the mirror and you see a struggling, struggling addict, not knowing if today's the day you're going to relapse, but did you know that when God sees you, he sees a temple? All you can think of is your past, but God sees a temple. God sees you in your inability, and he says, did you know that my strength is made perfect in your weakness? Did you know that when God sees you, he sees a temple? He sees the bride of Christ that will be spotless? Thank you, Jesus. You see your past, but he sees your future, for he is able to speak the things that are not as though they were. He's the God that sees the end from the beginning, for he is the author, but not just the one that begins. He's the finisher of our faith. He is the first, and he is the last. He is the alpha, and he is the omega. He is the great I am. Moses said, what shall I call you when I tell Pharaoh to let your people go? He says, see that I am that I am. I am is a fill-in-the-blank statement. 
God, I need peace. He says, I am your peace. I need restoration. I am your restoration. I need rest. This is the rest wherein the weary find rest. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know what your prayer is, but I know he's the I am. You need your finances to be in order. He is the God that provides. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is protection. He is healing. We just sang it. Your name is healing. Your name is life. You can speak Jesus and you're speaking the I am. You can plead the blood of Jesus over your life and suddenly things that happened years ago are healed today. Because although you see failure, he sees a temple, a place for which he wants to dwell. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm happy. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm happy that I'm not good enough because then I wouldn't need him. But I need him every hour. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. And you need him too. For too long we have looked at the earthen vessel so much that we have forgotten the treasure that is inside. The glorious treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man built tabernacles and temples and altars to please God each more beautiful than the last. When the whole time God just wanted the temple he made with his own hands. King Solomon, you wrote it, but I'm not sure if you understood it. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that built it. Solomon, you built that temple and you did it for the glory of God, but it was never about a building made with man's hands. It was about a temple that God formed out of the dust of the earth and breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Time would fail me to go into the details of how Jesus fulfilled that tabernacle. The foundation was costly stones hewn with man's hands, but there is one that is of a higher cost. There is no other foundation laid than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. For the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The stone that Jacob laid his head on. He saw a ladder just coming up from the earth and into the heavens and angels going up and down. That stone is Christ Jesus. Our foundation is upon the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Jesus fulfilled the temple so that we may become the temple of the Holy Ghost. It was a precious stone for upon that stone he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We know what the foundation is. It's Jesus Christ, which was a lamb slain before we knew about the foundation, before the foundation of the world. If the musicians could come, I'm, I'm coming to a close. The voice of God walked with Adam and with Eve. And since then, he's walked through time. He walked from Adam and Eve, and he walked with a man named 
Enoch. And then he walked with Abraham and promised to give him a nation that is like the stars of the sky, and as large as the sand on the seashore. And he walked with Jacob and renamed him Prince with God. And he walked with a man named David, a man that was after his own heart. And he looked down upon the grandeur of Solomon's temple. And he saw a foundation overlaid with gold and probably thought, Solomon, you stole that from me because I'm building right now a place where the very floor beneath you is pure gold. And he saw the beauty of the cherubim that were made and the bronze sculptures. And he saw the flowers on the wall and he thought, you don't even know it, but my love is like the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And he saw the palm fronds that were inscribed on the wall and thought, one day I will come to that earth and I'll go into that holy city and they will lay down palm fronds and cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. He saw all of the beauty of that temple and he thought, this isn't it. Maybe something about that veil rubbed him the wrong way. And then he saw the building that Herod had built. It was good for a temporary use, but it wasn't going to do the job. He walked past all the people that were denied access and thought, I can't stand this any longer. I've got to come down and be with them if they're ever going to be with me. He walked past the beauty of the 36 acres of that temple and the beautiful limestone that reflected the sunlight. And he walked with man. Can you hear his voice? Can you hear it as it walks through time? Can you hear it as he says unto Peter, follow me? Can you hear it as he says, those that believe on me out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water? Can you hear that voice as it says, Father, forgive them for they, they know not. They don't know what they're doing. Can you hear his voice that says, I came not to destroy the law, but that the law might be fulfilled. Can you hear his voice as he says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you hear his voice as he says, I come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly? Can you hear his voice when he says, I shall not leave you comfortless, but I will send my spirit, the comforter, unto you? Can you hear his voice as he says, I go away to prepare a place for you? Where I am, there you may be also. And that fully culminates in this idea that if that spirit which raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. This mortal shall put on immortality. It shall be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Yes, the dead in Christ shall be raised up first, but then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. What a glorious day that is. You know, the first time God met us in the middle was when the prodigal son returned and the father ran out to meet him. And all of us that were dead in our sins, thought if I could just be a servant in my father's house, but you are no longer servants, but, but sons. And he ran out to meet him, and that was the first time God met us in the middle. But on that glorious day, when the dead in Christ shall rise first, we will get to meet God in the middle again, but this time he will come down from heaven for right now. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. But on that day, we shall meet him in the middle for we shall meet him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord if we could all rise to our feet right now. Hallelujah. 
God, allow us to see ourselves as you see us. You don't see a failure. You see a temple. You don't see a house that has been deserted. You see a dwelling place. You see a heart that might be dirty now, but when you apply your blood, it shall be made clean. God is no respecter of persons. He sees no color but crimson. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. God walked through all of time. He might have paused here and there. He might have stopped for a second to stand next to three Hebrew boys in the middle of a fire to be the fourth man likened unto the Son of God. But right now, the voice of God has walked through all of time. And on January 21st, 2024, Jesus has walked into this room and you might have thought that you were the desperate one to rip open the ceiling so that you could be with Jesus, but you didn't know how desperate Jesus was to get to you. He walked past the beautiful creations of man's hands and thought, that's not enough. They can't be enough. But I can carry that burden. I can carry that cross that no man could carry. I can live that sinless life that no man could so that their bodies may be a temple of the Holy Ghost. I know you've been hearing that voice. Don't deny you've been hearing that voice. God has been speaking to you. It's a still, small voice. It's a whisper in the corners of your mind. But I'm going to ask you, will he walk past you? Or will you respond today? Will you find a desperation of a woman that has to crawl through a crowd? to get to the hem of Jesus' garment? Will you find the desperation of a woman that was once a prostitute filled with devils but has to get to the feet of Jesus so that I can anoint him with precious oil, so that I can cry over them tears of thankfulness and wash them with my hair? What kind of desperation do you have? to get to Jesus today. Come on, I'm opening these altars right now. I'm opening these altars right now. Don't deny the fact that you've been waiting all week for this moment. You've been thinking to yourself, if I can just get through a few songs, if the preacher will just preach short, I can get to that altar. I can get the change I've been so desperately desiring. I can plead with God and he can hear my voice and he can hear my cries. If you don't have the Holy Ghost and your body is not a temple of the Holy Ghost, today is your day. It starts by repenting of your sins and that blood we spoke about washing all of your sins away and suddenly what was once a dirty place is now a house for the living God to dwell in. You can receive that today. If you've been struggling thinking you're not good enough, your self-worth has been destroyed by the lies of hell and of the enemy, I've come against that word today and say that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. God sees you as a temple. He saw you as worth dying for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray over every person in this house today, God, that has allowed the lies of hell to cloud their mind, that has allowed the lies of hell to silence their testimony, which is how we overcome the adversary. Jesus, I ask that you would restore the vision of people that have lost view of how you see them, God, not as failures, but as something precious, more precious than the gold of Solomon's temple, more precious than the sweet limestone of Herod's temple, but a temple of the Holy Ghost.
You 
Addicted to this time.